This is Gloria. Welcome to the Moving Into Wellness podcast, where we aim to remove stigma around and discuss tools to manage everyday mental health issues. Let's all take a breath. <sighs> Hi, it's Karen, and welcome to another episode of the Moving Into Wellness podcast. The last episode, I spoke with Tony Passione about her wellness practice. I hope you take a listen to that if you haven't already. And in line with wanting to talk to other practitioners, I decided I should also talk about my own practice. I've mentioned dance movement therapy in past episodes, and some people aren't as familiar with it. So I want to explain what it has looked like for groups and individuals. First, I want to answer the question that I asked Tony about what mental wellness means to me. What mental wellness means to me is that I'm doing the best I can in the moment. When I do a review of a situation, I don't have regret. If I'm assessing that things could have gone better or I could have done more, I take note and I move it forward. I think that I understand how much physical wellness is tied to emotional wellness. So making sure I'm doing the things physically that really are important for me to maintain. What am I eating? What am I drinking? Am I getting enough rest? The biggest struggle is enough rest. And that remains a struggle. And I'm actively working to attend to that. So I stay aware of where I'm putting time, energy, effort, and where I'm doing it is meaningful to me. If that's what I'm doing, then I know I'm doing well. How that has translated into my work, there was a certain point I realized how dancing helped me to work through difficult emotions. If I was frustrated, if I was sad, I would pour all of the energy of that into my movement when I would go to class. So recognizing this is really helpful for me and there's a physical release that became intentional once I had the awareness and I would be leaving work or whatever activity to go to a dance class, I would have in my mind, I'm going to work this out in class. It would be purposeful. And it made a big difference when the intention was there. In 2008, I started a small nonprofit in my free time and was creating projects with my co-founder that centered around utilizing art to talk about social issues. Into the second year, it evolved into creating art-related projects for youth outreach. 
and we were organizing projects, hiring visual artists, storytellers, filmmakers, and people who are working with youth to teach them how to become filmmakers themselves. And after a while, I realized I wanted to be a facilitator myself. How can I contribute directly? And dance became the obvious choice. So I researched dance and therapy and found the American Dance Therapy Association. I found a few other institutes and movement-oriented organizations and decided this is the direction I want to go professionally. So how does this show up in the practice that I have? Well, let me go back first and talk about an example of the first groups that I led, which started in 2013 for a program I volunteered with that was hiring different creative arts therapists. I got to co-lead a few groups with drama therapists and then eventually was leading groups on my own. One of the populations was homeless adults. And these people were being serviced by an agency to get connection to different community resources. They had housing for some people, but not enough to actually house people directly in their facility. And these people would still come during regular hours for other resource needs. And they started to offer some of these groups at the facility on site. In thinking about the population of the group, on average, the age was 40 to 60. And many of the people coming to the group were still physically sleeping somewhere in the community. And this was top of mind for me. So my consideration was, what does that do to the body to be exposed to the elements? If I'm a person who's trying to manage all these other issues and needs, am I even considering how I feel physically? And what does that do if there's that disconnection? So I focused on physical awareness, mobility, and bridging that connection between how they're doing and that awareness of their overall challenges and how it's manifested physically. And in getting feedback from people, there were certain music I utilized based on the population, what people enjoyed, and just doing basic stretches. There's sometimes there were audible reactions when we would move and it'd be very slow and methodical. And even when you're just naming body parts to people, you realize how many people out of necessity put aside physical pain because of the other things that they're dealing with. And being able to talk about that as part of the group, being able to share in the experience of like what it feels to do what for somebody else who isn't in the same situation, a stretch, a basic stretch where you stretch your arms out and open your chest and really push your 
body up and out and forward. And where the aches and pains are, why they're there, different physical challenges that exist of being in the community. Uh, One person shared where they were sleeping sometimes and the encounter with people to remove them, trying to go to different places in the community and the response. So it opened up in small ways, opened up certain conversations without me having to ask certain questions, just what movement is able to elicit from people. And sometimes we would do writing exercises and drawing exercises and people would talk about their writings and drawings. The other thing you can do in a movement-oriented group, instead of people saying what they wrote or describing, they can move through what the picture represents or pick out certain words and move through the energy of their words. So those kinds of things were really helpful in getting people just to talk and open up, and in particular be in a space where, for me, that I would listen. Because the other thing with people who are homeless tend to be treated is not having a space where people want to listen or feel like they have anything valuable to share. People talking about their families, those relationships, people who they lost contact with, and things that are behind that. So in small ways and in big ways, Leading a basic intervention can open up the space to other ideas, other conversations for people to be able to talk through and process through with other people who are experiencing the same things. So that was one experience that I did for a number of months Another example that I think is helpful to share is culturally specific. When I worked at an agency that served primarily indigenous clients and there was a partnership with a community agency to work with families, parents and their children. And I co-led with a therapist and we started ceremonially, culturally, as many different gatherings are started and it was led by one of the people in the community. And then we went through our process. She would explain certain ideas in terms of parent-child interactions, like from a clinical point of view, but that was relatable for people in the community and specifically culturally, how do those terms relate? And then I would introduce exercises based off of her ideas and to see how these ideas could be translated into meaningful ways for people based on their cultural needs, based on the needs of creating a stronger parent-child bond, and then sitting down and communing together at the end and being able to talk through and about some of those things. It was a really great experience. 
and going into the last part of like, what have I learned from different experiences like those two examples is the same thing I learned for myself. One is how movement interventions really open up conversations beyond just words. Their ideas and things that come out when people express themselves creatively that maybe they wouldn't have expressed or it wouldn't have even come to their mind just talking through them. So it opens up things and opens up ideas. And literally with that idea of opening up physically, like just spreading your arms wide and taking up more space, how it helps people to be more expressive as a whole. That is something that has been helpful for me individually and for other people who I've seen where they realize that their ability to express themselves, that it doesn't have to be limited to that space. And that's the bigger goal, how to tie into opening up as a person, being more of who you are in any part of your life. And that's the kind of thing that movement intervention can do where we're not, as someone was saying in a presentation I watched the other week, we don't have to intellectualize everything and try to think it through because part of the thing with feeling and where that's generated in our brain, where it's generated physically in our body, that's not always about logic. So some of the things about emotion and how we express it, how we feel it, where it comes from, some of the ways that we can get to the heart of it is through expression is through breaking that wall of trying to overthink and being able to be a little freer and let go and open up more so we can be more of who we really are. And that's, I think, important for anybody to do in their lives, that you don't have to be different people in different settings. You can be who you are and who you need to be wherever you are and have that way of being true to yourself and taking care of yourself. If you have more questions about movement therapy specifically, I realize I haven't mentioned our email address except once, you can email the Moving Into Wellness Podcast email. It's like Moving Into Wellness Podcast at gmail.com. All together, Moving Into Wellness Podcast at gmail.com. And ask any questions you have about movement therapy, about any of the previous episodes or ideas that we shared. If there are ideas that you want us to discuss more of or that we haven't discussed yet, we will gladly uh, take any suggestions and questions. So I look forward to, as I said last time, talking with more practitioners. Uh, my goal is to talk with 
one of my friends who is a music therapist, and that will be on the horizon. Of course, there are other dance movement therapists whose practices look totally different than the one I have. And sometimes they work with a specific population, um, utilize different tools. So understanding that what I talked about and the work that I've done is unique to to me. And that's the great thing with creative arts practices is that each person, they develop in a way creatively that works for them. So I look forward to talking with other people and I look forward to eventually getting feedback from you. And I hope you tune in next time. Hotline numbers we want to share. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. The LGBT National Hotline, 888-843-4564. The LGBTQ Youth Trevor Project line for people ages 13 to 24, 866-488-7386. The Trans Life line, 877-565-8860. And a crisis line to text to, text to 741-741, the word start.